The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. So growing up, you remember there were those things that happened on the big three television networks. I realize it sounds like from the dinosaur era, but follow me. There were those things where it's like, <laughs> tonight on a very special episode. And it was always some, we're going to try to be serious for a minute and tell you something. Now, tonight on Everyday Driver Car Debate is a very special episode, but we're not going to do anything grand. However, we are going to do something new. Paul's not here. Now, before you think, Uh-oh. I don't want to listen to just Todd, here's what we've been thinking about. It's finally dawned on Paul and I, sometimes we're slow, that uh, one of us is gone now and then and that we don't want to make the podcast not happen. So we've brought in Chance to join me tonight. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. How's it going? And uh, here's the thing. If you don't know who Chance is, I want to catch you up. You should know frankly, at this point. Chance is one of our regular shooters. We have Edgar that shoots for us in LA. We have Chance that shoots for us in Utah on a big piece like our upcoming Icon film or uh, the Focus RS piece, for example. They both end up shooting on it. But Chance is local with uh, with us here in Utah. He also, if you've ever inter- engaged with our Instagram account, Chance is the great photographer behind that. And he writes for the mm-hmm. website. So he is pretty, for better or worse, embedded in what we do. <laughs> well, thanks. I, mean, I, I try. It's a it's, uh... There's a lot more work involved than you really think about, too. It's yes. kind of funny. This is true. This is true. And, and I, will, I will also acknowledge that uh, as, we, uh, as we do the Instagram, thank God for Chance working on that because that means it actually has good-looking content regularly. But he's, he's often <laughs> pushing to us and going, hey, this person reached out on Instagram and said this, so please don't think if you're giving us messages on Instagram, we're never seeing them because we're talking to Chance every day. We're, we're catching up with him on everything that's going on. So – we're yep. thrilled that he's doing Instagram there, and I should do the plug that you keep asking me to do, Chance, and I always forget. At every 1,000 interval, interval, we're giving stuff away. Now, that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any 1,000 follower thing, we're giving stuff away. We might, somebody asked me this past week, Chance, we should do more of a kind of raffle style, because if you've been around a while, why are you excited about a 1,000 intervals? So maybe we'll do something where <laughs> yeah. one of those platforms, we say the 10th person to comment or whatever, or the first person to come. I don't know. We'll have to think that through. You'll have to help me. But Chance is here yeah, with us sure. tonight. We are going to do car debates as usual. We're also going to have a discussion, honestly, that makes more sense for Chance and I to have than for Paul to be here. We're going to talk about the BRZ versus my tuned FRS, or to put it another way, a base 86 versus a tuned 86. Because Chance, besides all the other stuff he does for us, listen to this guy's garage. He has a BRZ, he has a Porsche Boxster, and you have, what What year is your Project Mustang? It's a 67 Mustang Coupe. So it's not a fastback, but it's it's the notchback coupe, whichever you please. I've had that car since I was 14, actually. So it's been been around for half my life now it's pretty crazy wow <laughs> wow and and uh how where are you on your chance is one of the reasons that we make fun of eternal projects i hate to say it but it's true where are you on your eternal project of that mustang well so i got it when i was in high school obviously and throughout high school i didn't have the funds or the money to put into it so my dad and i would work on it here and there and it wasn't until three three or four years ago that we actually got it running into the point where it can be driven and registered and I was daily driving it for not quite a year and then the okay. motor died. It okay. blew blue piston rings is what we think happened. So Yikes. since then I was go- going to rebuild that three oh two that was in it. It's not a two eighty nine, it was a three oh two. Cool. And uh then a friend had a friend and former coworker had actually texted me one day, he's like, Hey, I've got this neighbor that's selling a 91 Mustang GT. It's got a 5.0. It's got a five-speed. Mm. It's got some work done to it. It's got about 320 horsepower, which is about 100 more than stock on one of those things. He's selling okay. it for a thousand dollars. It's like, oh, oh wow, parts yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I bought that, and it drove great. It leaked oil like crazy. My wife loved it. The drive <laughs> driveway looked like a mess. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so I drove that for a while while I gathered up parts, and so that motor and transmission is now sitting in my 67, but I'm having issues with fuel pump wiring and a couple other small things I'm trying to sort out, so it's not quite is there it, yet. And this is it now a- just leaking oil while sitting in a new body? 
No, I actually went through and replaced all the, the gaskets, thank goodness. Oh, look at you. Fresh, okay, Freshened well done, it up sir. and made it look all nice. But Well done, sir. It's still not running. <laughs> it's been two years since then, and yes. it's still not running. So there's well, your every, project right there. Yeah, exactly. And every summer, Chance is like, I'm going to get it out of the track this year. Two years later, we're still having that discussion. But I, I yep. do believe that you will at some point. But actually, it was this summer you bought a Boxster. Tell everybody what, what your Boxster is, because I'm going to get it wrong. So it was two months ago now, in the beginning of August, I think it was. Uh, my wife and I, we had a 2013, 2013 or 14 Mazda 3. I can't even remember what year it was now. <laughs> and uh, it was a great car. We loved it. But my wife has always wanted a convertible. We specifically, she was looking at Miatas. And that's actually how we got our BRZ, because I don't fit in Miatas. I fit in the BRZ better. Yeah, fair point. But... As a one day, I was just sitting at work bored, and I was looking at cars, as that's what car guys do. Was, you know, <laughs> what we all do like, for sure, yeah. You just sit there and scroll through uh, classified ads, and I'm scrolling, and I'm sending her a bunch of things, you know, Z4s and, and Miatas, and just, mm-hmm. you name it. I'm sending it to her, and uh, finally, I came across this car, and I set it aside because I knew this was my sniper shot, if you will. <laughs> and uh, so, so I sent her a bunch more and waited for that one to be last. And she was at work, busy, of course, and so. Sure. So finally, I was like, okay, I've got this one. I know this is the car that we're going to get. So let me know. I'm not going to send it to you until I know that you can look at it. Funny. So I sent it to her, and it was a, a bright orange, which is her favorite color, 2008 Porsche Boxster Limited Edition. Mm-hmm. Now, the limited edition basically means it's bright orange, so it's a Porsche 911 GT3 color. It's- it's eye-searing orange. It, there, there's actually been a, p- a picture on both our Facebook feed and our Instagram feed where you see it sitting next to my childish orange FRS. And and you think my yeah. car's orange until you see it parked next to Chance's wife's Boxster, and suddenly my car looks like it's practically maroon. This yeah, is how orange. Brown, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like surface of the sun orange is your, is your Boxster. But keep going. And so speaking of that orange, what's hilarious is, you know, most car companies, they come up with catchy names for their colors, you know, race red or, you know. Yes. Anyways. Well, Porsche was, was really good with this one. They simply called it orange. Perfect. So, Perfect. So there you go. Well, you know, Scion always <laughs> has. I mean, like like my car is hot lava, but not sitting next to your car, it's not. So no. you have that car and the Project Mustang. I mean, you've got a great garage, candidly. And we've talked, I mean, you've been almost a poster child for what we've talked about. I mean, I know we've recommended inexpensive 20,000-something Porsches to lots of people. That's exactly what you guys did. So I love that. Uh, So we're going to talk through some car debates tonight, and we're going to talk about the 86 platform a bit, as only you and I as owners can. But we've got Tyler coming up here. Tyler's writing in with some questions with about, uh, what's his budget here? He's got ten dollars to $12,000. He's looking for a fun car. He has a Miata and a Mini Cooper in his past, so he's kind of looking for what's next and has that kind of budget. I want to talk about that, but he's actually got a decent commute as well. So there's a few things rattling around in this, so that's part Mm -hmm. of it. And then we've got Ben, who is interesting because the car Ben currently has is a car that we kind of helped him find. He was driving a 2012 C300. He's followed the show for a long time. He's now working at Car Gurus, which is a company we've actually talked about before. In fact, random side note, uh, did you ever read that article? There was a Geico article that uh, Paul and I got interviewed for. Uh, hmm. that asked us a lot of stuff about selling your car online and car gurus and a few others we called out. Actually, we called out Bring a Trailer. And I, for whatever reason, Geico couldn't, they had, being Geico, being under AOL, all of these connections, <laughs> they had to do all their due diligence and they had to confirm that all of these companies wanted to be mentioned, which is just, right. okay, whatever. And Bring a Trailer is this tiny little group of a few people that are enthusiasts, and I don't think they ever got the, like, official word from Bring a Trailer. So they were out of the article, which was a real bummer. But anyway, yeah. but we mentioned car gurus in that article, and our friend Ben actually works there. He's actually got a really good budget, and he's looking for a really fun four-door with some power. So that'll be a fun yes, discussion as well. And then, of course, we've also got your Facebook questions. I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. You didn't ask for new Facebook questions. But what I figured is, look, Chance is the new guy. I wanted to give him him some time because Paul and I grabbed these as we're sitting at the podcast. So we actually grabbed some from the last two or three times we've asked. You guys have had so many good questions that I pulled up some we didn't get to, and we'll cover some of those at the end. But first, I want to get back to this uh, BRZ FRS discussion, or specifically the 86 platform stock versus tuned. And the reason I want to talk about this is, again, Chance shoots with us. 
Earlier this past week, we did my tuned FRS. We actually put a tune on top of the header and exhaust. We actually got a tune on it, which did help. And then we put it next to a Jackson Racing supercharged FRS, and we drove both of those. But as if we were some sort of cult, Chance shows up (laughs) at the chute in his BRZ. So now we had three of these 86s rolling everywhere we went all day. but, But his exactly his brz <laughs> is fully stock so almost it was interesting i do also, have i do have tires and an air filter but you know it's it's basically fair stock. point fair point but power power wise you're stock i mean thank god for you changing your tires i mean that's yeah that's yeah. that's not even step one on that car that's pretty much when you buy it have them put something else on it but anyway so yeah <laughs> so what was great is that you hadn't driven my frs since anything had been done to it and i hadn't driven a fully stock 86 in a while so we switched as soon as nope. we got the parts, the, the tune done, I didn't even drive the tune first. You did. So I'm I very did. curious to hear from you your thoughts on those two platforms. Yeah, so the, the, that whole time while we were doing that, I kept thinking to myself, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm probably the best guy to, to talk to about what the differences are because, like you said, you've been driving yours around already slightly modified, and mm-hmm. I've been daily driving mine for a year now pretty much stock. And something that, that you've talked about, we've we've talked about, is once when you're on the freeway and you're trying to pass somebody, you've got to downshift sometimes two gears just to get around somebody because mm-hmm, that mid range mm-hmm. there's no torque. It's got that awful torque dip. Yeah, yeah. But I tried that in your car. I was at like 3,500 RPM and I didn't bother downshifting. I just wanted to see what it would do. And instead of hesitating like mine does, I can feel it, you know, actually doing something. It wasn't like mm-hmm. here we mm-hmm. go. Okay, maybe we're going. Oh, well, wait, there we go. No, it yeah. was just. You, you, get, you hit it, and it does what you expect it to do. It actually starts moving. It's novel, Agreed. you know? <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. Well, I'm glad you, you you got that sensation because I have to say, and I know you didn't drive mine with the header, just the header done, but I have to say there's a significant change just from the header to the header and the tune. I mean, the header, if you've watched our piece that's called Searching for Torque, it's one of our one of our pieces about putting that header on the car, there's a definite improvement. You can see it in the dyno list. I mean, if you look at the stock... Uh, the torque curve, or I should say the torque valley uh, on the on the original dyno run there, that actually gets mostly flattened out, but it still is kind of pockmarked. It, it hops up and down, and it, it isn't very clean. This no, tune not. is from the Open Flash tablet, and it cleaned it up. It, it increased it, but it also cleaned it up. And I have to say, just in the three or four days since we've done that, I, I have to tell you, Chance, I like the car even more. Oh, I bet. And I notice I'm it jealous. every time I drive it. I mean, it, it, it now has that thing where it's just, I know this sounds, for all of you that drive cars that are powerful, you're going to be shaking your heads, and I'm fine with it. But it has that thing where the minute you put your foot in it, it instantly responds. It's not having to gather itself up or think about it or figure out if there's any power. It's just, it's ready to move. That's yeah. what the car should have been originally, and I am absolutely there, and I'm thrilled. And it was interesting to be in your car again, which, of course, you have a BRZ, so across the board... You have little niceties like the one we keep laughing about, a trunk release on yeah. <laughs> the hatch. I mean, it's yeah. how stupid is this that this is where they save money? And in fact, when we did that discussion on the podcast a while back, you sent me a photo and you went, the trunk release is right here, Todd. And I sent you a photo back of mine and I went, not on the FRS, there, it's there's not. There's a blank thing so, there. Yeah, it's just solid it's, metal. <laughs> it's interesting. It's amazing. So, But you've got those little extra niceties in your car, which you can kind of tell when you sit in back to back. But I'm so much happier with the power delivery now, and I imagine some some ways you might be jealous. Uh, a, a bit. It sounds a lot better. It, it drives like it should drive right out of the box, and it's it's yeah. You know, so it's, it's about what you want out of it now. Not that it's mm-hmm. bad from the beginning. Is it's a great car from from the factory. It's just got those little things that you wish they would have done. You know. Well, it's a great chassis, and it handles wonderfully, and that's what we've talked about ad nauseum, let's be honest. But in the same breath, we have to acknowledge the fact that it's just it never feels powerful. And now yeah. I'm in a car that I'm enjoying the power of it. I'm not impressing anybody, but I'm enjoying the power delivery in a way I haven't before, and I really like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I also have to, to admit that that exhaust that I have... I don't ever hear it from the outside. That was the cool thing about this shoot is to hear it a lot from the outside, like on the dyno and other places, be like, I do like the sound of that exhaust. However, it's 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 Shakespearean. It's full of sound yeah. and fury signifying nothing. It's just noise. The exhaust yeah. <laughs> didn't help me anything. The, I could have just done header and stock exhaust, had a quieter car, possibly not be debating my sound deadening as much, and still had power gains. But the, the exhaust, I have to admit, sounds cool. 
It does. It sounds a lot more Subaru-like, and it, it brings out some character to the car that isn't there with stock exhaust. Yeah, I hear you on that. And then we had a, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to steal from the video, but we had that Jackson Racing supercharged car, and uh, it was really cool to have them back-to-back. Now, we're at altitude. Uh, when we did our dyno runs, it was 4,500 feet. When we were up driving yep. in the canyons that day, it was between 7,000 and 8,000 feet. So serious power loss compared to those of you that might be uh, running at sea level. And certainly if you're running E85, it's a totally different animal. But uh, I'm excited to show that video off because the conclusions and the realizations were not what I expected. But yet the whole day was so informative from the dyno runs through all of the driving. Paul and I just kept bouncing thoughts off each other because it was really informative. Yeah. Well, I want to uh, I want to move on to um, a car debate because I think you and I could probably talk the eighty six platform for a while. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on a bit. Um, I want to talk about Tyler. He's listening for about six months. Thank you, sir. I've actually seen that you've been commenting as well when we asked for Facebook questions and other places, Twitter and stuff. You've been uh, calling us out. So thank you for engaging with us. I want to say to those of you that might be new, if you are kind of new to the podcast, you haven't rated and reviewed. Don't think it's too late or doesn't matter. It really matters. It keeps us in the top five automotive podcasts we have grown from not even in the top 10 to in the top five this calendar year and that is entirely due to you guys sharing rating and reviewing so we love that we appreciate it we just like that you like the podcast and you pass it on to others that's just awesome so tyler thanks for joining us uh you're writing to us from florida you're 20 years old looking for your next car and you have the disease big time you've got 10 to 12 grand but uh, you'd still kind of feel like you'd still change cars every day if you could, and we all have that problem. Your uh, your mom used to have a 2009 Mini Cooper that you actually really enjoyed. That was a front-wheel drive car you loved. And you guys also had a uh, first-gen Miata. Uh, both of those have gone away in the last few years, and uh, and you've been driving an old Civic. So you're looking for the new thing, but I, I'm I'm curious here, Chance. Do you have any experience with the car he kind of lusts after, this older car? The, uh, yeah, the car he's talking about, he's, he said he, was, he drove it in high school taking shop class. It's a 280Z Turbo with a 4-speed, and I, I don't have much experience with those. I have more experience with a 300ZX, so mm-hmm. I, I can't really say. I've always thought they were interesting cars, and they were very, very early 80s-looking cars in their design. And they kind of mm-hmm. took the 240Z and just made it, progressed it, and added the bumpers. And, exactly. It's, you know. it's the bigger version. It's the yeah. bigger version of the car, and it's a nice progression. I uh, I think it's interesting. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's not that big a deal, Tyler. But I, at 20 years old, I think it's fascinating that that's the car you lust after. I would have expected something more recent. Now, what's cool is you're talking about a very traditional platform there. I mean, this is a analog front-engine rear-wheel drive car. So I can see the, the, the draw there. But I think do think it's kind of funny that that's your car to maybe stretch for. Yeah. You have this Civic that's staying around, but you're looking for something fun. And so you're saying, do you chase the Z? Should you get another Miata? Should you get like an MR2? Uh, and then there's a part of you, I mean, again, automotive shop class, you're going, I should have a rotary. This is the disease <laughs> yep. of shop class, folks. <laughs> you just go, the rotary is so unique and new and different, and I ought to have one. And from a coolness factor, you're right. From a reliability factor, you just might hate yourself. Yep, yep. But you could you could afford one, so I'll give you that. And then, of course, you ask the obvious question. You liked the Mini. What about the Fiesta ST? Um, I rattled around with this a lot. You threw two wrenches in the works. You did acknowledge that you like the FRS a lot but can't afford one. You're right. They're not down to 12 yet. Give it a couple years. And then you sent us a random posting for a recently sold uh, gorgeous third-gen uh, twin-turbo Supra. So, I mean, these front-edge and rear-wheel drive thing, that's what you really like. Yeah. But you don't have the budget for your dream version, so what can we do for 10 to 12? I went sniper shot on this. I'm kind of surprised, but I'm very curious where you went. I think I might have one, too, actually, so this will be very interesting. But, okay. So okay. I, I did actually look up a bunch of Fiesta STs, and unfortunately, I think they're still a little bit out of his budget. I was only seeing the lowest at 14000 range. I don't know about you. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. That, And I'm I'm in that category where I can't believe those cars are that cheap already, but they're not touching 12. Right. I mean, the you, you're some of the ones that are 14, honestly, are the ones that are salvage title to begin with. So you don't really – you kind of want to avoid that. Yeah, but, exactly. But uh, they're certainly not at 12 yet. Um, the, I don't think the Miata is a match. Well, let me put it another way. 
The Miata's a match. Somebody out there saying the answer is Miata, and you're not wrong, except for the fact you've already had one. So there's that, that natural instinct I have to get you into something else. So I say no Miata. MR2's interesting. Uh, we, and we talked about it on the last podcast for, uh, for Mike and his son, Cody. We talked about uh, that, uh, that MR2 platform. You could get them for this money for sure. Yep. I think that would be cool. Everything you lust after, though, is front-engine rear-wheel rear drive. So I kind of drift away from the MR2 as a result. I did, too. I did, too. And I, I almost disagree with you about the Miata. I know we're all about getting people into new things, and, and I kind of went that direction. I looked at a bunch of NC Miatas, one that we really seemed to mm. lusted after after that Miata shoot we the, did last year. The NC is great. You're right. The NC is great, and you can get them for this money. That's a good point. Yeah, there's oodles and oodles of them, the earlier ones for under ten grand. O- tons and tons mm. of them. You have your pick. So that, that is a great point. I mean, that would be a that would be a nicer car across the board than the NA, a much more usable car. Now, look, there's really nothing to say that's bad about the NA other than it's it's a it's a tiny older car. The NC is a much more usable car. Is that actually your pick? No, that that's just one of the the cars I had on my list. So I, I had that, okay. and, and then from there I thought, well, one of the cars that my wife and I looked at that we really liked was the earlier BMW Z4s, particularly the 3.0 mm. motor. Sure. And they're yeah, yeah. they're very fun. They're they're right in the same kind of of lane as the Miata, a little bit bigger. But I would be careful with the miles and you know, being a BMW, there's potential for mm-hmm. a lot of maintenance and, and a lot of money being thrown at it to keep it going, you know. Yes. Yes, I think that's fair. Um so from, that's fair. From, so where did you go? Where'd you end up? Yeah, so from there I had two or three others. I I went uh, I'm gonna pull a Paul here. And I went with Porsche 944. There's, okay, fair. There's fair. it's kind of that same era as the the 280ZX. That's the you know late 80s, early 90s front mm-hmm. engine rear wheel drive. You can get four cylinder turbos in them, and and uh, you know it's another one that you can get within your budget pretty easy. You can get nice ones within that budget. I would also yeah, you can. I would just make sure if you're going to go that route to look at the maintenance that's been done to it and make sure that the the big things have been done to it and that it's up to date. Yeah. Because otherwise, I've when I worked for well, Porsche, they, I was told you can buy one and if it hasn't been done, you'll spend just as much repairing it to, to make it nice as you absolutely. bought the car for. Absolutely, and the people that we know that have them, that's been the case. Now they are really cool. You're right. You've hit on a. I feel like the 280 is the Japanese version of that car. I mean, they're 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 such sibling vehicles. Totally. And if you like that 280, you'd like that 944. The big question is, what does it need? Which is, let's be honest, the same situation with the 280Z. But they are they are related in so many ways. I think you would enjoy that 944. I do think that's a great recommendation. The the maintenance is the big unknown. Now you you know, yeah. got a history of working on cars, you might be okay with it. But I don't think that should be overlooked if you look at the 280Z uh, seriously. I think it is an option. That's a good one. Yeah. And, uh, so go, keeping along that lines and keeping in mind his 280ZX, I went with the 300ZX, kind of like what you had. There's mm-hmm. a bunch mm-hmm. of those in the 10 to 12,000 range. Most of them Tons aren't. Tons of them. Tons of them, yeah. Most of them aren't the turbos. Most of them are the NA cars, which from what I understand are a bit more reliable than the turbos or cheaper to maintain anyways. Significantly so. Significantly so, yes. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're only about 220 horsepower. They're not rocket ships, uh, but they still feel really great. They're not yeah. an overly heavy car. They're about 3,200 pounds, which, I mean, put it another way, that is heavier than the uh, the FRS with a little more power. But that is actually a really good V6 in that car. So yes. even in, I mean, uh, look, candidly, you want the twin turbo. You do. Yep. But if you can't get the twin turbo, the, the naturally aspirated is what I had. It's not a disappointing car. It's still a very fun car. That's a good one. Keep going. And then uh, my my last one, this is kind of possibly a sniper shot here, is I actually looked up 280ZXs and I found one, a ni- 1983 uh, 280ZX turbo with a five speed for 9,500. It's brown. It's got a tan interior, so it kind of looks like a root beer float maybe. But it the it color looks combination looks like a root beer float. <laughs> very nice. Keep going. So the color combination looks very early 80s, and it, it's. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like your kind of dream car with the way you were talking about them. And it looked like it was in great condition. So okay. I'm tempting you there. <laughs> 
Okay. I like that. That's a good find. That's a good find. I mean, here's the thing, Tyler. You like that, that 280. I'm not going to shy you away from it. I do think that Chance is on to a really good rabbit trail of things here. I think the 944 is a good alternative. But where I went with this is I thought, all right, the common thread here is the kind of long nose, front engine, rear wheel drive feel. But mm-hmm. I wanted to get you something newer. I wanted to get you, bring you recent just because of reliability, availability of parts, the fact that it will run, I was just thinking along those lines. Yeah, and sure. while I, I think everything Chance has listed is good, where I landed in my actual sniper shot here, even though I, I, my thought process was pretty similar to you, man, yeah. I landed on the 350Z. Okay, yeah. All day long for this budget. Hmm. That is a, that's a great engine. You can get many of them. Of, I mean, I've, I've got a page of it pulled up here already. There, there's many of them out there, all kinds of years, mileage combinations, is that the greatest Z car ever? It's not, but it is an incredibly solid car. And if you ever think about tracking, they've now got the 350 uh, spec series that goes. Yeah. They are almost starting to replace the Miatas as just the go-to track car. Yeah, so in, in our we, Utah region, we actually have more of those now than we have spec Miatas, which is just mm-hmm. not seeing a, a field of 20-plus yeah. of those things. It's it's really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that speaks to how robust and reliable that platform is. It speaks to the availability of parts and the fact that you can get them worked on and they'll run well. So I think the 350Z deserves a really serious look. I think it does the things you're looking for from the older cars, but it does it with newer tech and it'll probably be more reliable and just as easy to find. So I'm going to say 350Z for you, Tyler. Yeah, it even keeps in the Z family, too. So that, that's kind of a win-win, yeah. right? Exactly. I thought of that for sure. So I think, I think that's going to be my sniper shot there. Hopefully we've helped you. Uh, we should step on to a completely different discussion from Ben, who's also in Boston. Uh, we had... Tyler was in Florida, and now we're jumping up the coastline, getting to Boston here. And uh, Boston is known for terrible roads and big commutes, yeah. which relates to everything. But uh, actually, Ben works for Car Gurus, and uh, they're growing a lot. He's loving working there. He has a 2012 C300 that he's been driving for a while that he likes. He's been listening to the show a lot. We've influenced him before on cars. That may be a good or a bad thing. But he's back for more uh, questions with uh, what should he replace it with. But what's crazy is... $55,000 budget. That's yeah, a healthy that, budget. That's here. a really good budget. And, uh, I, uh, I'm looking at what he's pondering here. His interesting discussion here is while he's got that much, his biggest concern is depreciation. Yep. He'd rather stretch monetarily if it doesn't drop as much, which what you're actually saying, Ben, without knowing it is you're going to need to buy used. Yeah. Because if you buy new, congratulations. I mean, you're just going to get hammered on. Unless, I will say this to you, unless you decide to lease and you want to be one of those people that just leases indefinitely. That's the way to go new right now. You just lease. Obviously, you don't have an asset anymore. But you just lease and decide, this is my car payment going forward every couple of years I swap. Yep. I have a guy that I know here in Salt Lake that went from, I've talked about him before. He went from a like a 1988 Olds 88 boat car, suddenly, one day he's got a brand new 3 Series. He just decided, I'm going to start leasing cars. He went brand new 3 Series for two years. He just jumped at the end of that lease to brand new, loaded A4. Not a car guy before. And now suddenly he and I have stuff to talk about. But he's just decided, (laughs) this is my car payment. I'm going to dig in. You could do that, Ben. I I haven't actually made selections for you on the lease thing. But I think it at least has got to be mentioned here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and leasing is also it's a great option if you want to keep keeping something new and not have to worry about maintenance all the time and and keep the warranties constant and up to date and things like that. And and the de- the depreciation isn't really an issue. I mean, no. yeah, you're seeing that money go out the door every month, but if the car depreciates like a brick or doesn't, your payment is your payment. Yeah, it's just there you go. And then and the you don't have to worry about am I exactly am I underwater? Not your concern. You know what I mean. So as long as you stay within your mileage. Now, you do have a commute through Boston, so, okay, that's a concern. And then you have this other thing where uh, you want a car that has a sub uh, four and a half seconds, zero to 60. Yep, and he prefers okay. something that he can fit four in comfortably, not, mm-hmm. not you know, barely. <laughs> yeah, so you want to do the, the four-person hoon is essentially where we're headed. And uh, and what I think is funny is that you <laughs> you call out the entire not, we didn't bring this up you did the entire Porsche Panamera lineup you said yeah, you'd take a turbo you'd take a 4s you'd take a Panamera you'd take a Panamera S you you clearly are in love with that car um, okay all right you like that 
you'd kind of like all-wheel drive, so I can see how that checks the boxes. I'm not going to shy you away from it. And, of course, if Paul were here, Paul would be done. We'd be done at Pan America. <laughs> yep, be, thank yep. you very much. Moving on. Uh, obviously, it does everything you're talking about. It can be fast. It can be four people. I've seen four guys six feet tall in helmets in a Panamera. It worked all day long. Nobody yeah. was crouched over at all. That's actually really impressive. Not that you're going to be have four people in helmets driving around Boston, but that might be a fun <laughs> gag. So uh, that is clearly an option for you. Obviously, you're on the back end of the depreciation for that. But I will say at fifty five grand, Ben, um, you don't have a lot of options in Panamera. They exist, but you don't have a lot of options. You're certainly not going to be in turbos. Definitely not. I actually did find a couple early turbos for about fifty, forty nine fifty. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Give or take. What's the mileage, though? Um, you know, I didn't look at the mileage, to be honest. That's probably what I should have It's got to be high. <laughs> it has to be high. I mean, here's the thing. Oh, here, Look, here hey, it is. Chances, uh, chances corrected me. 52,000 miles? That's, that's not bad for a really? five-year-old that's car. That's shocking. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, I you've almost talked me into a sniper shot, Chance. I didn't think there were going to be any turbos available. For that. Okay, talk about depreciation, Ben. Yeah. You were on the right side of that equation. I mean, that's a car that has lost almost two-thirds of its value, if you want to it, think it about has, it that actually. way. It has, actually. It says the MSRP for this mm. car specifically was 153,000. So that's, that's, that's a heck of a shocking. car. That, that is price. shocking. Is that, did somebody ball that up and then straighten it out and try to sell it? Why is that car that cheap? I that's don't insane. Know. It, it, doesn't, it does not say if it's a clean title or not. So that might be part of it. It does list, does say free yeah. Carfax though. So. Wow. Interesting. All right. Well, okay. I stand corrected, Ben. Thank you, Chance. I, uh, maybe that Panamera is the golden ticket. I, uh, I want to find a couple other options for you. Um, but I'm curious where you went too. Yeah, so I, I, my immediate thought was was being based on what he's been in before. I f- at first went Audi RS5, and he said he, he has driven the S4, and it wasn't really that impressive for him the acceleration. Sure. But the RS5 has 100 more horsepower. It does have back seats. I don't know about as far as legroom for adults, but you can get them all yeah. day long in the 50,000 price range, and they're all-wheel drive. You're right. So it checks those right. boxes. Um, I have to bring up the elephant in the room, the uh, the Chevy SS, which Thank you. we always seem to to bring up. You know, it's a great car. <laughs> but, it, but, it's, more? but it's right here, <laughs> fifty five grand. You've got money left over. Yeah, and and yeah, the depreciation on that, you will be on the wrong side of it, Ben. However, I will say this to you: it's a car that's. I, I'm, I am. I'm going to stump for the SS here real quick. Those of you that are bored of it, just uh, hang on with me for a second. The uh, you can get one. The loaded ones are supposed to be forty five grand. But magnetic ride control, six-speed, great engine, bland styling. But I've, I've heard of lots of people that are walking out the door with them for 40 or 38. Yeah. Those negotiations are available because those cars don't move. Yeah, yeah. So while, they're very while you're going to take the – totally. While you're going to take the new car depreciation hit, I submit to you you could get one for less than MSRP to begin with, which starts to take a little bit of that sting away. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to go there and you saved me the trouble of bringing it up even though I'm defending it anyway. And you could even get them used. I found tons of used ones in the thirty thousand range, and save yourself twenty grand. So. Totally, totally. And and I do think you want the magnetic ride control on that, which means you yeah. can't get a first year, which I think is a fifteen. But uh, but you do want the magnetic ride control. That car, I know we beat on it, but that car is stunning, and I think you'd be genuinely surprised by it. Yeah. So I had three more. So with with the SS in mind, I thought Cadillac ATS-V, you have the coupe or sedan options, so you can fit four mm-hmm. in those. And they come with the manual. They're great all-around cars. They also have Magnarite, I believe. Um, yes, yes. Another one well, I Well, actually, I... Hmm? Go ahead. That's great because that's a much better straight-across switch from his C300. Yes. You're, you're staying in kind of luxury-class vehicles, but you're doing a lot of the things we like about the SS and yet you're staying in luxury class vehicles. I think the ATSV that was actually on my list, so bravo to you there, because I think that's a great one. And I think they hold the value a lot better, too, and that, that's at least as far as what I was seeing. Um, then from well, there... People kind of know what they are, yeah. Yeah. And from there, I, I, these are so new, I don't know if we've recommended one yet. I know we haven't driven one, but the new Jaguar XE. You've got mm. the all-wheel drive option. They're 340 horsepower, so they're not the most powerful on this list. But from what I've gathered and whatever else that has driven the car, they've all seemed to love it. So that could be a decent option. 
And, and it's a unique option. That's the yeah. thing about that that I like. It's a very unique option. It's, it's not the, the typical go-to. So keep going. Yeah, and it stays with your European luxury car as well. And then my last one is kind of more of a wild card, I guess. Uh, I got curious, and I looked at Tesla Model S's that were used. So mm. Tesla has their their buyback, or not buyback, but they've got their, their used car their listing guys. on yeah. their website. Yeah. And so I bumped up the... Uh, the cost just a little bit went up to sixty grand. You pulled a Paul. I pulled a Paul's Paul. not here, but, but and here's my reason it for so. him. It, well done. Keep here, going. Here's okay. my reason though. It's, it's an electric right, car, go. so you're not paying that money on gas, so you can theoretically balance that out. And I found I, we've done that argument before. I see where you're going. Keep going. And, and I found a Model S P85 Plus. So it's not the current car. It doesn't have ludicrous mode or anything like that. But for sixty grand, there's a whole bunch of them with twenty, thirty thousand miles on them. Well done, sir. That Tesla's a good left field recommendation, but it's a it's a perfect recommendation here. I really like that. That's excellent. Good job. So good what, job on that. What did you come up with? Well, here's the sad thing. You've covered most everything I had on my list. I mean, th- <laughs> this is where this is why this is why we are missing Paul tonight because Paul would have pulled out something that I would have never thought of, and vice versa. Chance and I have aligned ourselves a lot more, and we still didn't talk ahead of time. But you know, Ben, you also brought up, of course, the M3. The M3 is an obvious contender here. You brought up the C63 Mercedes. You you could go to that. It's uh, it's not as dynamic as the as the M3 and the brand. Here's the thing: the brand new one. All day long. Fantastic car. Oh, I think you would love upgrading to the brand new uh, 60, C63. However, I don't know if you can, I don't know if they've come down enough yet uh, yeah, be for you to get into yeah. a new one. You could possibly find yourself, I have to say it just because it's such a unicorn, you could find yourself a CTSV wagon. Yeah, just saying. Yeah. Shop for a CTSV wagon. I know you haven't said wagon, but. I I can't avoid bringing it up. If you want to take four people around and you want to have a unique car that's also baller and wickedly fast, it kind of begins at CTSV Wagon. If you can find a six-speed, now I kind of got a pull chance here. You may end up going 60-65 to get one. But I actually found automatics for 45. So yep. what are you shopping for? Uh, now, you know, this is very much a direct competitor to the Panamera. Uh, but candidly, so is the Tesla Model S. I mean, that Model S is very much the Panamera shape done better. So I think you're right in the sweet spot there calling that one out, Chance. We've, we're kind of been all over the map for you, Ben. I, I'm very curious to hear what you're wanting to do, what you end up doing. If I had to say greatest hits of your list, I would say you have to look at the SS. At least go drive it because yeah, that car's totally. worth driving because it's surprising. I like the ATSV recommendation a lot. Uh, I like the Panamera, of course, and I like the CTSV. Those are my favorites for you. The the M3 would work, and if they'd come down in price enough, I would have said the uh, the C63. I wish we had the RS4 here. I so yes. wish we did because I think that might be the sweet spot for you. But of course, we don't get it. The old one still a cool car, but I mean it's 2025 and you know 10 years old now, so it's probably not a match. Yeah. Very curious to see, hear where you land, though, Ben. Plus, you work at Car Gurus, so I'm very curious about the hookup. However, before I leave that, your work allows you to pay for Uber to the office. Yeah, I so saw you don't that. even have to commute. Yeah, you that, can that's just you nice. can go to you can Uber <laughs> to the office and charge it on Car Gurus. Is it ironic that you're doing that while working for a company that's selling people cars? Am I the only one that notices <laughs> that? I mean, it's cool. But if it was a company that was trying to get people into mass transit, Uber would make sense. You're Ubering to car, car gurus and trying to sell people cars. I'm confused, but it's still cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and car gurus are great. I've I've been using them a lot more and more lately because they've their whole their tools and the their pricing advantages that they show and all that. Do a little mm-hmm. plug there for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great way to to compare really quickly. And Ben, we're glad to have you listening over there. Uh, we should move on to some Facebook questions. Hopefully, we've helped you guys. Uh, please keep <laughs> writing to us. EverydayDriverTV at Gmail is the great place to send in an email directly to both of us. Uh, Paul and I are reading everything that goes through that email. And as necessary, clearly, we're putting it in front of Chance as well. So uh, you can reach us there. Or if you just want to write in through the website. I actually, I, I, was, I was a contributor today. I wrote a new article for the website today. Hadn't you done did. that in a few weeks. You did. Been thinking about other stuff, but I we do put new written articles up there regularly. I write for the site, so does Chance. And through that site, you can actually do our contact form there. We're getting a lot more people writing in that way. Your car debates are all read. 
You send any of them in. We read them all. We try to categorize them to make some fun episodes for you guys. So thank you for writing in there. Uh, and also thank you for Facebook questions, which is a little bit different animal. It's more of the kind of popcorn questions real quick. We've got a few here tonight. I wanted to start with uh, Jonathan Drake's. Yeah, this He's is asking a fun one, yeah. <laughs> if you had access to Q from James Bond, so the Q division that does crazy things to cars, which high-tech things would you outfit on your car and why? I love this question. Where'd you go with it? Well, at first, my, my favorite Bond car has always been the old Lotus, you know, the submarine car. That, that's always just yep, awesome. Yep. But I've got I've got no use for something like that. That's not that's pretty impractical here in Utah. I mean, I'm not going to go yeah. diving in this Great Salt Lake or anything. <laughs> but yeah, my my next favorite car was always the uh, the Aston Martin Vanish, not the Vanquish, the Vanish. You know, from there you from go. Uh, yes. Yes. the world's not in, no uh, die another day. That's one the of one. the one of the Pierce Brosnan ones, the one with Halle Berry, I believe. It, yeah, it, it was supposed to have cameras all over it so that the car could disappear and, and be stealth like. Mm-hmm. So I, I would do that, and if I did that, I would be able to park anywhere I want and not have to worry about parking yeah. tickets ever again. This is true. <laughs> well, remember the uh, the Lotus uh, the Lotus Esprit, the red one from uh which one is it it's the it's the spy who loved me i think it's the red one with the ski rack and the studded tires oh yes yeah that one is my my lotus history runs deep that one i actually liked even more than the submersible i just because because i've always felt like that it was a it was a nice kind of maroon color with gold wheels if memory serves and i remember thinking that feels useful that just feels useful. You've got a sports car, and suddenly it's got studs, and you, off you go to the ski resort, and it'd be nice to have James Bond's life. But the point is, the <laughs> ski part of it's working really well. So I like that. But I started to think about what are the things that I could get actual use out of? Because, you know, you've got ejector seats and this kind of stuff, but yep. I don't intend to be attacked by henchmen. So what no. can I get use out of? And I thought of a couple things. First off, I believe they've done this on a Bond car. If not, I'm sure Q Division could figure it out. I want an EMP. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I want an electronic magnetic pulse that I can fire at the car in front of me that is left lane sitting. If you're sitting in the left lane in front of me, I want to be able to hit a button and EMP your car so it just magically dies and you have no choice but to just drift off out of that lane. And I can keep moving. I want that. And you can use it on lines, the cell phone people too, the people texting and driving. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes. So I want an EMP. I want the oil slick dispenser thing for the people behind me that are now frustrated that I use the EMP. <laughs> and then to perfectly get away i want the license plate swap thing you hit the button the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. roll over yeah these are my three with go. those mayhem could in, could ensue and i could get use out of all three of those send in the frs today <laughs> yes exactly exactly yeah the q division really wants the toyota that's going to be the next thing they work on see bond climb into that and everybody be disappointed but yeah, right. they would be cool cool factors to have we got a couple more here call one out that you liked well, the uh, the next one I thought was kind of interesting, and I, I think this one kind of goes along with a lot of what the show's about, and it's from Casey Cook. It says, what's the closest call you've had while driving that took all of your skills to avoid? Now, mm. I, I'm sure you've got one, but I, I had an experience. I was 18 or 19. I must have been 19. Uh, my, okay. my first car was a 1994 Toyota Camry. I mean, you know, yawn, right? But, yeah, yeah, but it's a first car. I get it. Yeah, I, totally that, I loved it, yeah. that car. It was fun blowing the doors off V6 Camrys and, or V6 Camaros. Did that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which just says nothing but bad things about V6 Camaros, yeah. but keep going, yeah. But anyways, I was driving home from work one day down I-10 in Tucson, where I'm from, and so I'm following this truck kind of close, closer than I should have been, and we're in the middle lane going 70-ish miles an hour, and all of a sudden, okay. the truck swerves into the left lane. And up ahead, there's another vehicle dead stopped in the middle of the freeway. Completely stopped. Ooh. People are out moving Ooh. around. and Oh, man. And it was just bad. All bad. And so I hit my brakes. I couldn't get to the left lane, so I, I went for the right lane. But as I was moving over, you know that middle spot right in the middle of the lane? It's kind of always darker. and It's really slick. Sure. Well, as sure, I was on yeah. the brakes, my car hit that locked up the left side wheels and spun me off the side of the road and i ended oh. up i ended up probably within 10 feet of hitting a tree and two or three more cars followed me afterwards that was about the scariest oh, i've had in a car wow. and i i'm very i got very lucky with that and it took a lot to you mm. know not hit anything but, and to come um, down from that too i'm sure yeah, yeah. 
And fortunately, oh there was gosh. a there was a border patrol agent that saw the whole thing. He got out of his truck and went and yelled at the people in the middle of the road, and it, it was a good time. <laughs> wow, that's frightening. That is really frightening. Well, that's that's an excellent one. I was trying to think up uh, think up a couple, and and the one that really sticks in my brain, I wanted to share because it has relation to lots of things and things that we've learned and talked about on the show. It relates to tires. It relates to the car goes where your eyes go. This is yep, one of the yep. best examples I've ever had of the car going where my eyes went. And I and I literally the entire time through this, what I'm about to tell you, I just I had in the back of my mind, look where you want to go, look where you want to go. And it it saved me in this situation. I was driving my old nine two X Saab and I was off the freeway onto a side road that was mostly plowed. Yeah. But I came up over a little bit of a rise, and as I came down the rise, the back of the car started coming right on me. That's not what you and, want. And I realized it's starting to come significantly right. And and this is this is a road that's mostly plowed, but what they've done is they've done that thing that can be really helpful where they've put up those kind of, I don't know, inch in diameter white uh, PCV pipes vertically that oh, mark yeah, where the yeah. edges of the road yep. are. So there's one of those about every 100 yards, right? Well, the back, the, the back right's starting to come around, and I'm starting to counter. I'm starting to counter. I'm still countering. I'm still countering. And I realize those back wheels are now sliding off into what would be the shoulder. And, I mean, I'm going to broadside one of those poles pretty soon. Yeah. And it was all I could think of. I'm, I'm fully countered to the point that I, I was actually looking out the right window. I was looking out the passenger window. Oh, I'm fully countered over. And, I, and I, I'm just the mantra in my head. Keep looking where you want to go. Keep looking where you want to go. And I just kept it right, kept it right, kept my throttle very steady, just was sitting there just like, I'm just going to sit here and not change anything and just stay right and believe that it's going to come back. Yeah. And I had two or three beats where I just thought, it's not going to come back. And I heard the thwack as my right rear rear fender went over the PCV pipe, just just laid it out. I heard, heard it hit it. Drift tap. I just thought... Exactly. I just thought this isn't coming back. And a couple seconds later, it started to slowly recover. And I kept, you know, I was like, I'm slowly panning my way back across the dash until I got the car forward again. Yeah. That seemed like it took 30 seconds. It probably took five. Yeah, I was going to say, those always feel like an of, eternity. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those moments that I was so aware. I mean, we've been doing the show long enough when we talked about winter driving enough that I was, was having to kind of teach myself, remind myself as it went on. Don't take, don't look at, I knew if I looked at that PCV pipe, I'd be in the ditch. Yeah. Don't look at anything else. Don't look at anything but where you want to put this vehicle. And eventually it came back. And I'm thrilled that it did. But I, I was envisioning, okay, I've got a 9.2X that's going to be in the ditch here any moment. It was also my first big winter in Utah. Oh, so yeah. that would have been a nice, so I just moved here moment. But thankfully it did come around and I'm glad that it worked. I, I feel partially that I was able to do it and also partially I just got lucky. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I, that is a really good question from Casey. Greg wrote into us as well and said, and I'm still thinking about this. So many automakers are using ridiculous strings of letters and numbers to yeah. identify their cars. <clears throat> Infinity. And, <laughs> uh, and so he's saying, okay. What car would we rename and what would we call it? I love this. That's a good question. And I'm still battling it. And I wish Paul were here for this one, actually, because he probably would have a good one. But oh, yeah. This is a great question, Greg. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Infinity because they recently, as many of you probably know by now, they changed their, their name series, what, a year or two ago now? And every single model of theirs begins with the letter Q. And mm -hmm. Q and then a number, and it just makes absolutely yep. no sense. So you talk about the Q50, which one's that? Is that is that the big car? Is mm -hmm. that the small one? Is that the SUV? What I, that used I to don't be? know. Yeah, well, it, it ends up, you run with like a translation table around. It's like, wait, Q50 equals G37 equal. You, you're trying to figure out what it used to be so you can identify yeah. the car, which is terrible. The only part of it that makes any sense only because it finally has sunk in, is it has an X in it, like QX, those are the SUVs and crossovers. Yeah, yeah. But after that, I'm lost. I'm, I'm lost. And, and here's the sad part. So is everyone else. But yep. keep going. Yeah, and I think part of this whole thing is, is with them particularly, everyone else's number system kind of makes a little bit of sense. You know, you got the 3 Series, the 5 Series, or you got the, the C and the E class from Mercedes. And you kind of, maybe it's just because they've been around long enough that we just know what they are, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Infinity just kind of sprung this on us for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, whatever happened to the old names, like, you know, you got the classics, you know, Mustang or 
uh, one that I've always found humorous was was it Plymouth the Plymouth celebrity or something like that Chrysler celebrity oh, gosh. Old, yeah. from the eighties you, I hear you. Yeah. you know they they came yeah. up with clever names and now it's just I don't know if they're just bored or what and it couldn't be bothered to come up with names they're I I don't know yeah. Well, I mean, here's here's the one, and of course, in, the guy that named all the infinities in Ruined is now at Cadillac. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not helpful. But I but I want to call out Cadillac here. Here's here's the place that I would go. I mean, the problem here, Greg, is I would love to come up with another Hellcat name. That's a great name. Yeah. Hellcat is a fan, one of the best names to come out of modern cars. I'd love to take some of the ones that are alphanumeric and give them fun animal names like that. But the problem there is you start down that road and so many of them had already been used or they've yep. been trademarked or you can't use that derivation. And so it's really hard, even though that's the kind of stuff I loved. I love the animals and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, where's the Falcon? I know that, that Ford used to have a Falcon, but why isn't there now a Falcon? There what, actually what is in, in Australia. Be? They've been making those since That's the sixties. Yeah, That's true. still actually. Yeah, they just quit production. Ended production, I think, a week or so ago. It was the last one rolled okay. up the assembly line. You know, and and we used to have you know the Firebird. That sounds cool. That sounds yeah. cool. Well, that Firebird's gone. So I wish some of the old ones would come back. But I actually want to point out Cadillac specifically. I know okay. that what they're trying to do is they're trying to change all the naming so that it seems like a modern luxury car, and they want to get away from the old impressions. But at the same time, their cars kind of can't be denied now as far as their quality and their dynamics. So why not embrace the awesome names that have history? I mean, El Dorado, I just yeah. I love that name for a Cadillac. Rogan. I think it's an awesome name for a Cadillac. I mean, the DeVilles and these kind of things, they had a, a bunch of great grand-sounding names, all of which they still have trademarked. Yeah. So nobody else can use them. Yeah. I just wish Cadillac would embrace that historically while having great cars under those titles. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many great classic names. And I, maybe some of it is they're, maybe they've run out of names that they can actually use because they're all trademarked. And who knows? Well, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but there was the uh, the Beretta, the the Pontiac yep, Beretta, yep. years ago, and there was a lawsuit because of the gun. Yeah, and you know there was there was they got away with it eventually, but there was a lawsuit because of of that that issue. So this is the problem with names: is that once you do a, a string of of, na- of numbers and letters, you can kind of get away with it. And I'm sure that's part of the problem. I mean, you've pr- I'm off in the weeds a little bit here, but you've heard a little bit, I imagine, of the issues that the guys from Top Gear had while naming their new show yeah. because BBC claimed to have kind of the rights for everything, which is why yeah. they finally came up with the Grand Tour. Uh, so this is a problem with naming cars as well. You've got to avoid, you know, what do you call it from the past? But, I mean, like Alpha's new uh, sedan's going to be the Julia. Well, they've had that yeah. name forever. So yeah. come on, Cadillac, bring back the old ones. Or the Fiat 124. It, probably you know. won't happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's another one that you saw? Another one that that I think will be good for for uh, consumer advice is Antonio. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his last name. Benedetto says yeah, he's, yet, he's written to us before. Yeah, mm-hmm. says yet another winter tire question. Shopping for my Fiesta ST first set of Blizzaks. Is it a big deal to stick with the OEM wheels, or is it really that much better and advisable to go from 17 inch wheels to 16 or 15? I'm on a budget, mm-hmm. so you know. One of the big reasons I think a lot of people do that is because of their budget. So you get a smaller set of wheels, you get smaller tires, mm-hmm. and they cost less. Sure, sure. The problem I think you'll run into, you might be able to get away with 16s, but 15s you pro- probably won't fit. Uh, the problem you'll run into and you have to really pay attention to is your brake calipers. Because if you go smaller yeah. wheels, you're not going to clear those. And Yeah, you might not. And I mean... The other question here, Antonio, is is what's your hassle tolerance? Because for the first couple of years I lived in Utah, I did exactly what you're talking about. I just had winter tires, and I took my car to the tire shop and had them put the winter tires on my normal rims. I just The same rim stayed on the car, what I did with the 92X. It's just yeah. every season I traded out the tires. If you want to spend the money and time to do that, now here in Park City, there's like a one-month span where if you didn't reserve time at the tire shop on a weekend, three weeks in advance, you can't get in yeah, because everybody nuts. has this idea. So that's one of the number one things that drove me to, I just want a separate set of wheels. I'll jack up the car myself, unless it's the FRS and I break off the, the, the wheel lug nuts. But that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I want a separate set of wheels. I want to be able to do it myself. 
And, uh, and that was the biggest reason to do it. Now, the reason people go smaller generally, yes, it can be cheaper, but the other thing that happens is one of the recommendations that happens sometimes with winter tires is it's not that you're going smaller diameter, you're going narrower. Yeah. When you go narrower, they have a tendency to cut through a little better. Now, is it to the point that I think you need to do that? No. On a car like you that, run definitely stock, not. Yeah, you run stock tire size with Blizzax, you're going to be fine. And I applaud you for getting Blizzax. You'll be very happy with them. I think the biggest question is, are you okay with the hassle factor of doing the tire swap? If you are, and the fact that it's going to cost you somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 80 bucks a year or, or you know, twice a year to get your tire swapped. If you're okay with that, why not just stay with the same tire size, go one set of wheels, but if you start doing the math and thinking, I'm going to have this car a few years, then I say just dive in, get yourself some cheap summer rims on winter, with winter tires on them. That's probably the same as three or four tire changeovers, same kind of cost. That's the bigger debate here is the money uh, part of the equation in the long term. I think the tire size, you make the call. There's no reason you can't stay with your OEM tire size. Yeah, and one of the other things you can do if you're going to go that route, when you do sell the car, you can always put your swap the tires, put your summer tires back on your stock, your OEM wheels, and keep the other wheels mm. if they'll fit your Fair. new car. And so then, sure, you, then you sure, sure, or or you can sell your car for more because it's got two full sets of wheels. Yeah, too. You I mean, can you've do that got as well, you're yeah. creating option. This isn't value that goes away is the good thing. That's what's yeah. nice. I mean, you and you have initially, and that and that hurts. I'll be honest. Moving here to Utah and going full winter tires, the initial problem is anytime I buy a car, I instantly have tires to buy. Yeah. doesn't matter what season. doesn't matter how good the tires are. I have to buy the alternate season tires and be ready for them. Yep. So it's it's an initial cost that can hurt, but I think in the long run it's beneficial, and it's not cost you kind of can't get out because if you sell it in an area that needs winter tires, you can dump those too. So hopefully that helps. I wanted to speak to one last one before we wrap it up. Uh, Mark wrote in last time. We actually talked last time about Mark's question talking about uh, road chips from road debris, and we we briefly talked on uh, Dr. Color Chip. But he had a second part of the question that he wanted to touch on that I actually thought you might be able to speak to, Chance. He's asking about minimal rust. Now, have you had some on your your Mustang that you've dealt with? His question is, just the very beginning stages of rust, how do you deal with it? I'm going to admit, Mark, I don't know the first thing about detailing, and there are many great people online that could tell you, but I was curious about your experience, Chance. Yeah, now since we're talking about rock chips here, I'm guessing the rust you're probably seeing is going to be on your hood, maybe your fenders. They're probably the rust you're seeing is not the kind of rust to worry about. It's just surface rust. And mm-hmm. with with my Mustang, for example, right now it's just primer gray. But it it's yeah. it's it had no like the cancerous type of rust. It wasn't eating away at anywhere in the car. The nasty stuff. It yeah. had it had yeah. surface rust, but that was it. And now surface rusts, now I might get corrected on this, but in emails or whatever, but um, (laughs) (laughs) well, all I did with that car so far, it's still got a lot of body work to do, but I just, I primered over it all. And since it's an old car, I don't really care at the moment. It's going to get painted later on anyways. Mm -hmm. But with a newer car, you can always just go go to your dealer or go to your your parts store and buy some touch-up paint that matches the paint that's on your car. And you can go ahead and cover that right up and it, it... if, to my understanding, that will it won't make the rest go away, but it will stop it from spreading. Mm. Well, there's also the the steel wool idea. I mean, if if it's minimal stuff, there there are ways you can actually yeah. Don't quote me on the steel wool, but you can actually do a little bit of of scraping and actually get that get those crusty parts of the rust off and then get the paint on top of it. There's that as well. Mark, I'm admitting this is not what we do. No. So, you know, look at uh, Ammo NYC, great, great detail videos there. I'm sure they have rust uh, work. But the one that I have heard is for what you're talking about, it's like the first beginning stages of surface rust. You can scrape it off and then do and do the paint over it. I am bracing for the torrent of emails telling us how we're doing <laughs> yeah, it wrong same. because this is not our gift. But I thought we'd try to tackle it anyway. So, Mark, you had done that follow-up. I wanted to touch on it with you. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm really glad. Thank you, Chance, for, for joining me so that oh, I can have somebody me. to talk to for an entire hour. Yeah, thanks for having me along. We uh, we do are going to have two podcasts, obviously, this week and two next week, even though Paul is in Asia. Next Tuesday, it will be Paul and I again with a couple of really good car debates and some Facebook questions. 
Uh, we actually just recorded that around the same time we're doing this one so that we could uh, have that in the can for you guys to hear next week. So we have that coming up. And then next week uh, for next Fridays, it'll be Chance and I again with some more car debates and more of your Facebook questions. We'll probably ask for new ones for that. So thank you guys for listening and for yes. rating and even for watching. We have a lot more videos coming. Uh, I will I will admit to you that uh, they may get a little more sporadic because I am struggling underneath the edit for the Icon BMW film, but they're not going away completely. We've got that. Uh, in fact, Chance helped us out at the shoot in Chicago. Some of you that were at Chicago tra Track Day have met Chance yep. because he was out there with us helping us shoot the Caterham piece. So that's coming up here soon, the 620R. That we have nuts. a cool piece from... It was that is the best description. That's, You're that's absolutely right. Nuts. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and, and tiny and tiny too. I mean, yeah. you're you're a big guy like we are. You're well over six feet tall, and you're a big guy like we are. And when you're when you're our size, and you walk around a caterham, you just go, "Yeah, that's not happening." But yet, Paul and I had to try to figure out a way to get in that car and drive it. So that's a really fun review. Yep. Tom's got a piece coming up on the seven one eight uh, Porsche Boxster, which Paul and I haven't even driven yet. So there's no jealousy so there at jealous. all. That's coming up. Yeah, no kidding. And then we've got some cool pieces coming from our recent trip, our pilgrimage to Germany and to Belgium. We've got some pieces. Coming up from that as well. All of that is coming, and we started the podcast with it. That FRS uh, versus supercharged FRS piece has also just been shot this week. That's one I'm really excited about sharing because of all the things we discovered. So that's coming as well. All of that is on the way uh, and fighting for my time among Icon. Uh, we're all kind of a little buried in Icon. Uh, Chance is actually working on some of the owner interview pieces. If you watched our 50 Years of 9-11 film a few years back, the Blu-ray of that had little profiles of every owner of every car that we drove. And we're doing that again for the Blu-ray of Icon, and Chance is working on those as we speak. So, like I said, yeah. uh, we have uh, we have taken him at his word for how can I help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're burying him. <laughs> So uh, his wife now has a love-hate relationship with uh, the scheduling at Everyday Driver. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, she gets to drive a Boxster. That's the upside. She does. So thank you for joining me, man, and thank all of you for joining us, and we will see you next week. And for our longtime listeners, proclivities, proclivities, proclivities. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Chance ends it on a high note. Well done, sir. <laughs>